Hey yo, Adrian, Donnie, and all you sports movie podcast fans, and thanks, you know, for tracking down the 30th edition of Scoring at the Movies. Every second Thursday, we drop a gab about baseball, or basketball, or boxing, or bobsledding into the podcasting universe. Spoilers are very imminent. I'm the hard-punching battler from Philly, Unk Rocky Ellis, and here's the six foot five, two hundred forty-five pound, big nasty, Chris Drago. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Drago. Wait, Brian, you mean? Drago. <laughs> I don't think the mic's gonna pick that up very well. Drago. We'll just do it. <laughs> they call me the big nasty for all kinds of other, usually intestinal distress-related reasons, <laughs> but. I appreciate that nonetheless. I'm hoping that in the course of this podcast, Ryan, I'll figure out my reason for doing the podcast, my motivation to keep going, to power through the punches that you keep leveling my way every week. It is. Your, I haven't found it yet. It is your time now. <laughs> Let me tap you, give you a pound. It's your time now. I'm going to sit down here and be out of the series. He's been written out of the series after this movie. Hey, spoiler alert right off the bat. Oh, yeah, he didn't die. I predicted he would die. I re-listened to our Creed podcast, Bev and I did, and I re-listened to Rocky Four that you and I did. Yeah. And I predicted, and I think both those, that in Creed 2, Stallone would die. It was his turn. His, his time, I should say. Well, he did have cancer in Creed, and then yeah. apparently... Looks just, pretty good in this one. Yeah, I know. He bounced back off Hair's well. back. <laughs> Looks I mean, pretty healthy. Apparently, he was supposed to die at the end of Rocky Five. originally. But he's like killing Superman. Yeah. But he is Superman. If he could survive cancer and get his hair back... Well, I guess you get your hair back if you... Finish chemo? Yeah, right. So, anyway, he probably should have died. But effectively, he's going to, because I don't think he's going to be if they do a Creed 3. This movie made about the same amount of money as the first Creed. Maybe a touch more. The reviews are about the same as well, so the odds are they're going to make another movie. It won't be the same without him, and obviously all the other Rocky characters would be gone then from the original series, long gone, but they'll make another one, I think. This one basically succeeded and didn't cost that much. Why you open that beer? Let's see what we got there. Oh yeah, my talent juice will help me out here. The Last Duel. I figured in honor of Drago. Drago! <laughs> and Rocky. Last Duel! <laughs> seemed like a fitting thing. No, he didn't die, but I think Stallone has already made an Instagram post or something right. after this came out to say thank you and goodbye to Rocky. I read about that too, yeah. He's played the uncle, trainer, inspiration, mentor role twice now, and Mickey only played that role twice. Three times, a little bit of Rocky three. Two and a half-ish, because he was sort of a grudging participant in the first Clubber-Lang fight before Clubber pushes him to the side and Mickey expires from... I don't know, shock and disgruntlement. His heart goes out on him. Yeah. I was looking up, Burgess Meredith was about 75 in Rocky III, and Stallone was about 72 when this movie came out. So it's been said that the mentors in the Star Wars and Rocky movies, because the reboots happened the same year, in fact, about a month apart, Star Wars Force Awakens and Creed with Stallone and Mark Hamill, that they're both, at the time of those movies, the same age or even older than Alec Guinness and Burgess right. Meredith were in their movies, even though Hamill and Stallone don't look like they're as old as those guys. It's like we said in The Natural a few weeks ago that Wilford Brimley is only a few years older than Robert Redford, and Redford, yeah. as we said, looks too old, but he doesn't look as old as Wilford Brimley. No, that's true. Can you imagine Natural? If they had casted it in the reverse order, Redford was the manager-coach <laughs> role, and Wilford Brimley was the plucky 
Was he supposed to be in the natural, like, 35 or something? Yeah, 35. Rookie. <laughs> I think that would have been a fun little play against type. He would have died of the diabetes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like you said, after we recorded that, they already lost a right fielder because he literally played himself to mm-hmm. death when yep. Bump went through the wall. And yeah, Wilfred Brimley, the natural dying on the field of the diabetes, would have just decimated that roster going into the next but year. as it is, they've lost Roy because he's not going to play anymore. He's clearly yeah. going to retire, or maybe he did die too. They lost two star right fielders in the span of a few months. Yeah. I hope they have somebody in the farm system. Before we get off the natural, I have a segue and a rare runs, hits, and errors. Although it's not a runs, hits, or errors in this case. It's something I thought of when I was editing. Because the section where we talked about who could have played Roy Hobbs instead. You said Harrison Ford. That would have been a good choice. Yeah. But everybody wanted Harrison Ford in the mid-80s. It would right. have been hard to get him. And he wasn't that much younger than Redford. And maybe we focus too much on the age. But you know who I thought of? And I put this on the website already. Kurt Russell. Ah, Snake. He was about 33 or so, so he's around the right age. He was a baseball player. He was supposed to be in Bull Durham. He actually played in the minor leagues as a baseball player, so he certainly would have been... Oh, well, Redford was believable as a baseball player, I think. Yeah. I don't know if we really said that in that podcast. We should have. But Kurt Russell came to mind. Yeah. And would have played the humor that I think could have been in that character that Redford didn't really play. I think that's a good call. What would have been, right? We could have had Wilfred. We could have had Kurt. But instead, <laughs> we got Robert Redford. I do like your idea of having Brimley, though, play the natural. <laughs> Redford play the manager. Okay, back to Creed 2. This was our first time ever watching this movie, by the way. I found yeah. the library, and we made a change. We were going to do Seabiscuit in this slot. So that's why you don't hear us promoting that two weeks ago, because I just cut that out. <laughs> we'll do Seabiscuit in two weeks from now. Anyway, Creed 2, which is now the fourth Rocky movie review you can find on this channel. Bev and I did the first Creed and the first Rocky, and you and I have done Rocky 4, and now this one. And by the way, my nutshell in this movie... Rocky Four, Part Two. <laughs> Rocky Four Two. <laughs> That's fair. It is more a sequel to Rocky Four than it is a sequel to Creed mm-hmm. in the way it all plays out. This whole movie is essentially one big nod to Rocky Four and fans of Rocky Four. Even though it was a direct sequel to that movie, it felt entirely different to me. Totally. Okay. Then Rocky Four or Creed? Then both, but then Rocky Four specifically. And maybe that's just a function of the era. We're no longer in a, well, I guess we kind of are back into a little bit of a Cold War environment. Thank, yeah, we are. Thank you, true. Donald and Vlad. But not quite in that same explicit Cold War era that Rocky Four took place in. So yeah. I guess that shifts the tone a little bit. Adonis isn't ending the Cold War with his speech at the right. end of the fight. Instead, he's mending the fences between father and son, Ivan mm-hmm. and Victor. That was a nice moment. I don't know if I really truly believed it that... I was going to say Drago, but I better differentiate because they're both Drago. <laughs> D1 and the D2. The father, yeah, Ivan, that he throws in the towel. Now, that is a great callback to the most famous moment, one of the most famous moments in Rocky Four. the... Throw the damn towel! Duke just really wanted him to throw in mm-hmm. that towel. The referee does try to step in before Rocky even picks the towel up. He hasn't thrown it. He hasn't even thought about throwing it in yet. The referee tries to step in, I think, to say, okay, Drago, you won. It's a technical knockout. Apollo can't defend himself anymore, which we've criticized all the Rocky movies for doing way too often. The referees don't do their damn job. But he was trying to in what was an exhibition fight. And Drago pushed him away. Yeah. So Rocky could have thrown that towel in all he wants to. But the whole point is the referee then would say, I'll step in and stop the fight. But he can't. He's already been pushed away. Drago wasn't going to stop. So the towel was pointless anyway. Rocky should stop beating himself up for not trying to stop that fight because he couldn't have unless he jumped in there and grabbed Drago's arm to stop punching his friend. That was the only way that fight was going to end without the way it did end, which was killing Apollo Creed. I remember exactly what you're talking about, and we've sort of discussed the refereeing in these movies, including this one, by the way. Any referee that lets Adonis fight with clearly broken ribs... Mm -hmm. He can't lift his left arm at one point during that first fight in particular. That happens to his father in the first fight, though, against Rocky. Yeah. He ain't stopping nothing. 
No, and then he fights the last round with his broken ribs, and he can't really hit Rocky because he's protecting them with his, I think, his right arm, so he's fighting left-handed, effectively. Worst referees in boxing in these movies. But I think part of why I accepted the whole guilt of the white towel, he doesn't want to be given the victory. He wants to defeat the opponent. Oh, Ivan right? Drago, yeah. Drago. Well, both Dragos, but in this case, you're right, Ivan. So there's a big difference. If that's your mindset, I think there's a big difference between a referee stepping in and saying, all right, technical knockout, you win, and the corner man for your opponent throwing in the towel and admitting defeat, right? You yeah. won, you beat us. And it might be that if they threw in the white towel, Drago would have been called off by his corner or he would have just stepped away. I don't think it would have mattered. I think he would have kept on punching. It's possible. Mr. T's character, right? Clubber Lang is mm -hmm. just supposed to be an insane animal, essentially, in the ring. Whereas Drago is supposed to be like a Soviet drugged up steroid machine. Mm -hmm. He's not full of rage in the same way. He's very calculated. 1980s Soviet stereotype kind of portrayal. Here is the robotic programmed Soviet soldier that's going to do exactly what he's told. And when his corner man tells him to destroy his opponent, he'll do that. Mm. But it's not like he's out of control. Although he does take cheap shots on both Apollo and Rocky in their fights after yeah. the bell. Yeah. And then Victor does the thing we saw in Million Dollar Baby, where he punches Adonis when he's already down, which is what gets him disqualified. Yeah. And that's what gets Maggie paralyzed in that movie. She's not down, but she's punched in the back of the head after a round is over and then just accidentally lands on the stool. That wasn't the Blue Bear's intention to paralyze Maggie, but that's what did happen because she cheap shot her after the bell. So Victor in this movie does that. The Blue Bear did that. And not as seriously as in these other two movies to get disqualified or to hurt somebody so badly, but so did Ivan Drago. You're not saying he's a clean fighter, but he certainly no. isn't. Yeah, there's times in especially the second fight against Rocky and Rocky Four. Well, the second fight of the movie, the first fight against Rocky between Drago and, mm -hmm. and Rocky. They're literally throwing each other around. There's cheap shots after the bell. It's not a clean fight. I just think those tended to be portrayed as more intentional actions and not just a fighter that's lost his mind in the same way that Clubber Lang or like the Blue Bear did. You mentioned the cheap shot in the first fight between mm -hmm. Drago and Adonis. And you're right. I thought immediately about Million Dollar Baby and the same cheap shot. Now, in Million Dollar Baby, that cheap shot happened in the course of the fight. It wasn't decided yet. Mm -hmm. She had not yet won the fight when she cheap shotted Maggie. In this movie, the fight was over. Adonis had... Was it? Yeah, Adonis had lost at that point. No, no. Because he wins by disqualification. Yeah, because he got disqualified for the cheap shot. Adonis had lost the fight. It was over. Well, I've only seen this movie once now, last week. And yeah. you too. We've never seen this movie before. This is the rare time this ever happened. But this, this Ready is... to Rumble was the other one for me that I'd never yeah. seen the movie before. I don't think Bev and I have ever covered a movie I've never seen, except for our now playing podcast that we just saw in the theater. Okay, well, anyway, the decision ends up being that Victor Drago is disqualified. Yeah. So that gets to overturn the original decision. The choreography of the fights in both creeds, I think, is very good generally. They do a better job of portraying actual boxing than the original Rockies do. Their attempts to slip punches, block punches, it's not just haymakers back and forth that nobody's making any attempts to get out of the way of or block. Right? I think Ryan Coogler in the first creed was even better, partly for his direction of the camera. The yeah. one fight especially where it doesn't cut at all, unless the cuts are hidden, it doesn't look like it cuts at all. And kudos to Michael B. Jordan and the other actor in the first movie for making the fight look so realistic in yeah. that situation. I don't think the director in this one, because it's not Cooley this time, his name is Stephen Capel Jr. He's only ever made one other movie called The Land about three years ago with actors I did not recognize. And he has nothing on his slate so far, although he'll get something. He made a $115 million grossing movie that was not that expensive. Yeah. But Coogler apparently handpicked him. Coogler was too busy working on Black Panther. He was an executive producer, as was Michael B. Jordan. So was Sly. So were the Winkler and Chardoff families who started the Rocky... I think they were involved in all the Rocky movies, I believe. If not all of them, then certainly most of them. But their progeny, and either Winkler or Chardoff is still alive. 
and they also worked on it. So there's a lot of producers involved in this movie, and Kuglu had a hand in the production of this movie, but he wasn't a director. So I don't think the fights are quite as good as what they were in the first Creed, which is probably the best presentation of the fights of all of them, because we said in all the podcasts we've done, you and me and Bev, Rocky Balboa takes stuff that no one should be able to handle, and so do his opponents for that matter. Apollo takes some damage he shouldn't be able to survive against Rocky, and every other fighter, it seems, in those movies. Yeah, Rocky is the brick hit house in all of his mm-hmm. movies. This is not a critique of the presentation of the fights. It's very well done. What took me out of this movie a little bit is in the first fight and the second fight between Drago and Creed, everything is built up to such a hyperbolic degree. And this is the same formula that you see in Rocky 3, you see it in Rocky 4, and to a lesser degree, Rocky 5. Formulaic Rocky movie? What? I know. Even these two are formulaic. Of really. course, and you have to have the protagonist beaten down and taken down a peg, and then he has to build himself back up and be triumphant at the end. But in the first fight, he loses. He doesn't just get beaten to a pulp by Victor. But he technically wins by disqualification. Yeah, but he loses the fight and then retains his title because of the disqualification afterwards. I think you can do it in a way that either has Adonis win in a similar fashion without actually having lost the fight, or Adonis just wins but gets so battered by it that he ends up rematching against Drago later. I think there's other ways to do that. But more so the second fight. Or even Adonis loses the first fight. Why does he have to retain the belt? He has broken ribs, he's been battered, and then come back and rematch. They probably didn't want to do it too much like Rocky Rocky 4, or even Rocky 3, more so, because that is a championship match and then a rematch. In Rocky 4, that's not the case. As we know, Apollo and Drago, it's supposed to be an exhibition! And Rocky's (laughs) not even involved in that first fight, so it is more like Rocky 3, if you do what you just said. But we don't even know if this was a title fight. Victor has never fought in North America. He just shows up from overseas to challenge Creed, much like Drago did in Rocky IV. So it could have just been an exhibition as well, in which case the title would never have been up for grabs, and maybe Adonis retains the title, but has to fight again to preserve his honor. I'll check on that later and put a note on the website if we're wrong about this, but I think it's supposed to be a championship match. You see Adonis looking at the championship belt a few times, which incidentally has pictures of both Rocky and Apollo on the belt. They say in this movie there have been 77 heavyweight champions The pictures on the belt just happen to be Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa. They would be, though. If you're going to put the most famous people on there, they would be two of the people in this world. Yeah, Apollo is meant to be Muhammad Ali Mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes, and Rocky for all of his glories. Rocky Marciano. Maybe. In any event, the second fight is what really took me out of it. Things are taken to such a hyperbolic degree, and this bothers me, and I think I've whined about this in a few other movies. When a filmmaker, it feels like, doesn't have the conviction in their own script or their own movie to draw the audience in and really have an emotional connection with what's going on. So it's not enough that Apollo is fighting for his family, for his pride, for his baby, whatever he's found to fight for, right, that he never had in the first movie. It's not enough that Drago is looking for, Ivan Drago, is looking for a little bit of redemption and Victor is looking for his father's approval. You have to have a fight that goes to the last round where the announcers talk about how badly Drago has outfought Apollo. Mm-hmm. So Apollo is going to lose again if Drago does nothing but just sort of run away for the you last said round. Apollo, nice slip of the tongue. Adonis. Adonis, sorry, yeah. I think I've said Apollo twice now. Oh, incidentally, speaking of slips of the tongue, I had to rewind the movie a few times to make sure of this. In the first fight between Adonis and Victor, the ring announcer in the movie calls Victor 
Ivan Drago when he's talking oh, about really? how badly he's pummeling Adonis. Yeah. You can understand, like you just did, somebody saying Apollo Creed, although he does go by Adonis Johnson. It says that in the IMDb credit we're looking at right now. But he doesn't. He wears... Uh, doesn't he wear Creed and Johnson on his trunks? He, he did in the first Creed movie. He does, that's right. But everyone refers to him, and he refers to himself as Adonis Creed throughout the entire movie whenever it's discussed. So I can understand the ring announcer doing that. Yeah. But Ivan Drago would have been forgotten by the boxing community in these 30-plus years. Ivan Drago could have turned pro. He could have gone into pro wrestling. He could have eventually gone into MMA. Not the real guy. Not... Dolph Lundgren, but the character would never have had his career ended unless he couldn't have got out of Russia and they felt disgraced by it. And they would have been disgraced by it, going by what would have happened in reality with Russia, but with a movie character, they would have felt disgraced that he lost. But he also took the heavyweight champion of the world to the limit. And as it turns out, maybe this wouldn't have been public knowledge to everybody in the Rocky universe. But the champion then has brain damage and can't keep fighting. Ivan Drago was remarkably marketable. Even losing to Rocky. So yeah. this notion that he would just become a nobody and then have a kid with his wife who leaves him, that woman's a cold-blooded bitch because maybe she left for good reason. Their marriage maybe didn't work out. But then when she shows up to watch his fight, meaning her son, when he starts losing to Adonis, she bails. Yeah, Ludmilla's not a nice person. Put a pin in the thought about Ivan's future career for a second because that's another point I really wanted to get into. But just to wrap up that last fight thing and what bugged me about it is they've set up all these emotional touch points for viewers. But you have to have Adonis in the last round already getting destroyed on points. He's got broken ribs again. If you broke them a few months ago, I assume it's easier to break them a second time. All that stuff has to be happening at once. You can't just have Adonis get retribution in a more believable fashion. I guess you can make the argument that Victor, much like his father, is the kind of fighter that has to destroy his opponent. And knowing that he's winning on points and will not lose the fight if he just sort of backpedals for the last three minutes of the fight, he'll win on the decision. And maybe that's not in the Drago nature, right? They have to destroy their it opponents. It isn't in the Creed nature either, because no. in the very first movie, or maybe it's the second movie, actually, second movie, stay with me, Apollo, you got it, won! Yeah, exactly. But he wanted to knock Rocky out, and that's why he lost the title in Rocky too. I'm watching this and thinking, for God's sakes, Victor, play it smart. Don't go charging at Adonis like a bull and get knocked out, because that's the only way Adonis is going to beat you. Adonis is crippled. He can't take you down if you just defend yourself and play that defensive game. It's symptomatic of sports movies generally, where they have to have so many barriers against the protagonist. We've already seen what a formidable opponent Victor Drago is in the first fight. That should be enough of a mountain for Adonis to climb to get his retribution and honor back. I don't think you need to play up that he's up against the last round, he's got broken ribs, he's losing on points. All this other stuff is just ancillary, it doesn't make sense. And while this isn't the real world, Creed movies have made more of an effort to portray boxing in a more realistic fashion. And this just rang a little untrue to me, I okay, guess fair. Is what I'm saying. I don't think either of us said so far what we thought of the film, because I'm a huge fan of the first one. Yeah. And the reason why, one of the reasons why I was such a huge fan of it is I saw it on the day that the sister of a friend of mine told me he was going to die of cancer. He already had cancer, but then she said he went on a pain pump. So I read this message in the morning. I'd never even talked to her before, but she knew I was friends with him. I was really touched she sent me this message. A couple hours later, I go to the movies to see Creed. I don't think I knew that Stallone gets cancer in that one. I forgot now if I knew that ahead of time. But that movie made me emotional three different times. And the first time I watched it, mostly because of the whole Jeff thing, what was happening with him in reality. This movie didn't have anywhere near the same emotional impact, partly because Stallone is so great in those cancer scenes when he finds out he has it and dealing with Donnie and all the rest of it, and then it felt pretty real with him going through the chemo, and clearly he's not supposed to have any hair, even though he wears a do-rag, or a, what is it, not a do-rag, but a... A toque. A, a toque, right, yeah. so probably because Stallone didn't want to have to either wear a bald cap or shave his head. But this movie doesn't have that emotional resonance quite the same way. There are scenes where Rocky goes to the cemetery, well, one at least, maybe there's some deleted scenes, but in the movie there's only one where he goes to see Adrian and Polly. Right. And it's still touching, 
and maybe even emotionally devastating in a lot of ways, that he's pining over his dead wife for a long time now because we see that in Rocky Balboa. She died long before that movie, and this movie's 12 years after Creed Two is, yeah. after Rocky Balboa, so it's been probably two decades at least. Polly's been dead for a while, and now his son after Rocky Balboa is estranged from him. I don't really know why. They got so close in Balboa. Yeah. The son went to work somewhere else, fine, but they don't talk anymore. Rocky never even met his grandson, which he does at the end of the film. Again, that is another aspect of it that kind of bothered me a little bit. Rocky V, to me, is always going to be the movie that shall not be named. But in that movie, <laughs> you see his son growing up, right? And I think that's actually Sylvester Stallone's son. Sage Stallone played yeah. his son in that, yeah. Rocky wins over his kid in that movie, and then Rocky Balboa happens, and you see they've become estranged as... But not badly estranged. They both live in Philly. They just don't really talk that much. No, they don't get along. That was the whole underlying relationship that led Rocky to his sort of famous little speech to his son. Great scene. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving, moving forward. forward. That's, That's how winning is done. done. <laughs> it's a great speech. We both watched that clip many times, haven't yeah, we? too many times. By the end of that movie, Milo, what's his son's Milo name? Milo Ventimiglia is Robert Balboa, although he's called Bobby. Bobby, yeah. I've yeah. heard him called Rocky. They hey, named him Bobby. Rocky Jr. in Rocky Two. We find out, and I guess it must be Rocky V, or certainly by the time we did Rocky Balboa, that he's Robert. That's fine. Probably Rocky's real name, too, is Robert, I guess. Rocky doesn't sound like a name you'd ever actually officially legally call somebody. Well, it could be nickname. Rocco. I think that's the Americanization of Rocco, at least in familiar terms. And that's terms, what Paulie always called Rocky, was Rocco. Rock, yeah. But yeah, Robert's his actual name, and he's called Bobby in this, which is odd. I kind of rolled with that a little bit. They've become very close, like you said, by the end of Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. And then in Creed, it's just sort of offhandedly thrown out that, again, their relationship has broken down. And you can understand that to a certain degree. I'm not talking at all, I don't buy. No, that was too much. Robert goes to Vancouver, I think is where they said he went. That's fine. He's literally distant from Rocky because he has a job somewhere else and a life somewhere else. That's okay, but he wouldn't talk to him at all. I don't buy that. And I will also not buy that Rocky would have said, well, I'll keep myself away from him entirely. When he has a son and that's my grandson, I still won't bother. I think Rocky would have been trying, even if he kept getting refused by Bobby. I don't think that would have been the way that Rocky would have played it. He's Rocky, so he's a little bit embarrassing, and that's part of the disconnect with Robert. That's true, but at the same time, Rocky has always been portrayed as a guy that is not well-suited to expressing himself or expressing his emotions. He's always struggled with that. He struggled with that with Adrian, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Maybe he just doesn't know how to bridge that gap. I think the only reason this was done was so that at the end of the movie, it could be capped off with him reconciling with his son and his And grandson. leaving Philly, so that it even yeah. makes it more clear that he's not going to be in Creed Three. It's not needful. If you're going to have that level of disconnect, tell us why. You can't just say, I haven't spoken to my son for years and leave that hanging. What the hell happened? Last mm-hmm. we saw of you two together, you were, you were so close. Yeah. It could just be, well, he moved away. It doesn't have to be, I haven't talked to him in years. Mm-hmm. He's now physically way out in Vancouver, and I never see him because I don't like to fly or travel. And the movie ends with Rocky moving to Vancouver to be with his last remaining family. Yeah, moving. Maybe he's just going for an extended trip. But it's almost like the way they finally did Rambo a couple years ago, one or maybe 10 years ago, whatever that was. John Rambo. Because in the very first movie, he's trying to go to visit an army buddy and then go home. Yeah. And the end of Rambo, the movie that came out in the mid-2000s, he finally goes home. So that's a nice payoff. Rambo is not a great movie necessarily, but I did really like the touching moment that finally, after all these many decades, I guess, John Rambo goes home to see his family. He finally can do that. And that's that's not home, I guess, but Rocky does that with his son here. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they did that. And the only reason, I guess, to have this kind of conflict is to give Stallone something to do because he had cancer in the first movie and that was so well played. Now his conflict is going to be... He doesn't have a son anymore. Did you like the movie then? No. I am right on the verge. Of, if you could be thumbs in the middle, which is such a weak, bushy-washy thing to say, <laughs> but I would be. First Creed loved it. Big fan of all these movies. I'll probably end yeah. up buying this one just to have it as part of the set. I have Rocky Five, part of it because it comes as the set. These movies, for all of their flaws, save and except Rocky Five, always get me on that base mm. 
guy level just cheering for the underdog and in those moments in the fights when the underdog pulls it off or the protagonist comes through somehow yeah i feel it and i enjoyed watching this movie I didn't find it as effective as Creed 1, obviously, mm-hmm. for exactly the reasons you've mentioned. And neither of the Creed movies are much fun, at least compared to the original movies. There are a little bit... Rocky 3 and 4 are stupid, but they're fun. These are a little bit darker in tone. Rocky 4 is dark, but it's got that sort of 80s kitsch to it. Great music. Yes, I did like it, but not as much as most of the other Rocky movies. Okay, fair. I wanted, like nothing else, to hear Burning Heart play in this song, or in this movie, just once. And I get that there's Cold War lyrics in the entirety of that song that you don't want played in this movie, but you can clip out like a 15-second snippet of that song where the lyrics are two worlds colliding, because that's true. The Dragos yeah. are back in North America Dragos again. and Creed's fighting again. Just give us that, because they place so many scenes as callbacks in this movie. Yeah. You have Rocky describing his proposal to Adrian at the zoo in Rocky Two, right? Only if you wouldn't mind marrying me very much. Very much. The whole parallel between Adrian not being able to hear through her earmuffs, so she can't hear but Rocky. But Bianca can't hear because she has a hearing problem. Yeah, and then when Adonis is proposing... I like that touch, actually, that she yeah. doesn't realize... Well, she does because she can see what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, she turns around and he's just on his knees and what the hell's going on? I missed the build-up there. <laughs> that was a cute callback. And there's so many scenes like that in this movie, even to the training montage of Adonis and this. Rather than the snow of Russia, now you go yeah. in the desert. And it is a burning heart because you're hot as hell because you're in the desert. Yes! How good would that have been? <laughs> Even if you just remix that, the burning heart into the... the with music. rap lyrics, because they did it with Gonna Fly Now yeah. in the first read. Why not, you're right, do the same thing with so, this. Did I say rap? I meant hip-hop, I guess. It's more hip-hop. Yeah, hip-hop. I wanted it so bad, and it didn't happen. This movie introduces Victor and Ivan back to us pretty abruptly. I think you might get a pan over of like an article about Drago losing. Losing? And then, Ivan, Ivan, father, Ivan. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Say Pod- the first names then. Yeah, one of these podcasts where we're just constantly correcting each other about which Drago we're referring to. But then you're right into Victor fighting and you see Ivan and then Ivan shows up in Adrian's and all that happens very quickly. Everybody comes to Adrian's, it seems. It's the cheers of Philly. In Rocky Balboa, when you first see Adrian's restaurant, established in 1995, by the way, mm-hmm. so I assume that's when she died. Yeah, maybe 94. 94, so this was like the homage to her. So she has been dead for more than two decades. Yeah. Aside from Rocky Balboa, when they introduced to that restaurant and it's jumping, you but never see anybody in there when anymore. When I say when everybody goes to Adrian's, I mean people that matter to Rocky. Because yeah, specifically Rocky. Adonis first met him yeah. there and Drago sees him again. Yeah. Interesting, by the way, that Victor's holding a grudge. Rocky beat my dad, that whole thing. Your dad killed his friend and it was deliberate. Well, he maybe didn't mean to kill him, but your dad beat him to death. Yeah, And he would have done the same to the Rocky if he wasn't made of iron. He isn't like a piece of iron. So that's just dumb. But then he's also been trained by his father to hate somebody without really knowing the facts. Yeah. But he could have looked up the facts. I wish we had known more about Victor and Ivan. Yeah, we don't know much about anything. All we learn about them as individuals and their relationship is from the snippets of training. Right, You see how savage and unrelenting Ivan is in training Victor and you get that Ivan's entire burning desire as portrayed in this movie is to use Victor to get back in the good graces of Mother Russia and And, and also to Ruth beat the Rocky Well yes, her too. But also to beat the Balboa Creed clan, the group yeah, of buddies. It's his redemption arc. But it would have been I think great to understand a little bit of what exactly happened in Drago's life. Even if it's just like a quick three minute montage of little scenes or newspaper clippings or whatever the case may be. 
it would have given us a little bit more insight into what had happened to Drago, how he'd been living. And we were made to understand he was living in Ukraine rather than Russia proper. He had been exiled for all intents and purposes. What has he been doing? But address the fact I said already, that why didn't he keep fighting somewhere? Because he hadn't turned pro yet. Yeah, you lost. But you also destroyed a former champion and killed him in a round and a half. Yeah. And you took the champion to the limit. Why don't you have a boxing career? Or some kind of mixed martial arts career or something. Like you said, Dolph Lundgren himself was a black belt in, I think, judo. Even Florian Monteau is a boxer or yeah. MMA fighter himself. He's too. got German and Romanian background in him. Big Nasty is his credit on the IMDb yeah, as well. It makes sense. He is a big boy. I did like that moment at the end of the movie with the white towel being thrown in by Ivan. Nice callback, yeah. That's a nice callback. And back. it's never happened in the Rocky movies before. No, it hasn't. And it reminded me of Rocky's little chest-banging speech at the end of Rocky Four. If I can change, and you can change, can change <laughs> then we can all change. And Ivan changes. That little call. Well, not until that moment, that seems. No, though. but he does change when it matters. He looks out for his son over and above his own. When he realizes his ex-wife has left and bailed yeah. on their kid. And you get the little scene at the end where the two of them are jogging together. Like, okay, so maybe they actually have more of a relationship than trainer-fighter relationship that was portrayed up to this point. But a little bit more screen time with them would have been Yeah, give us a little bit more because this movie, unlike a lot of Rocky movies, doesn't just play off the protagonist, Adonis. In most of the Rocky movies, you only care about Rocky. To a lesser degree, maybe Apollo and Ford. I don't agree because I think Apollo in the first two movies is very humanized. That's one of the reasons why those movies work. Okay, the second one more so than the first. The first one, I don't think Apollo is terribly humanized. He's just the jerk champ. He's not that much of a jerk. He's a brash guy, but he's not that much. You yeah. definitely see more of him in two. More of him in two. So I buy that as well. That's why I say to a lesser degree, you do get some of that Apollo that you care about in the Rocky movies. But you're made to want to care about the Dragos in this one, both of them. That's what they're going for. It's hard to when they seem like paper villains. They're not right. paper villains, but cardboard villains. But they're clearly attempting to make you feel something, or they wouldn't have that towel scene, they wouldn't have that shot of them jogging. They want some pathos and empathy for those characters out of the audience, but I don't think they did a great job of building them up enough to really generate that from us. That was Rocky and his motorcycle going by. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have it anymore, but he used to drive a motorcycle when he made a little money in Rocky Two, or after Rocky Two. I haven't talked about any of the numbers on this movie. I should probably do that. So it was released last November 21st, 2018. MGM and Warner Brothers cut it loose for everybody. 84% of critics liked it and 80% of audiences. So 6.91 out of 10, which is a pretty decent score. Worse reviews than Creed 1, but not by that much. They're around the same point. And Creed 2 is 28th of the 2018 U.S. box office. Black Panther, of course, by Coogler. Mm. And Michael B. Jordan's in that, too. It was number one. The first Creed made slightly less money, so you want to see that where sequels make more, which is why they'll probably make another one of these, although I agree with Dan Merle of Screen Junkies because they did a review I just watched last week. They did it last fall, but I just watched it last week. And he said that he thinks they should end this series at this point. I agree with him because Rocky should be gone, but it's not that I don't care about the Adonis, Bianca, Marianne arc, and maybe now we'll see more of Wood Harris, who's little Duke, Duke's son. They didn't make that very clear in the first movie, but he is Duke's son. The trainer. Mm -hmm. The black trainer, yeah. Yeah. He was Avon Barksdale in The Wire, Wood Harris. I didn't. So he'll be in the future movies, I guess, if they do more, and I don't know that any of the Balboas will be. And that's probably the right movie if you're going to do another movie, but I don't know if I really want to see that at the same point. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there's a lot left to tell. The actors have done a good job. I'm not criticizing them. Jordan and Tessa Thompson, Felicia Rashad. Okay, well, let me ask you that then. What did you think of Bianca in this movie? Tessa Thompson's a terrific actress. She is. And she was damn good in the first film, and it's a nice touch that they made her deaf. That was something different we don't see in movies typically because the whole point is she's going to lose her hearing altogether one day, but she's a singer, and that's a tragedy. 
But in this film, she's more just a true supporting player. She's more yes. like Adrian became in the original. She had such character in the first movie and maybe the second one, but by the third and fourth and whatnot, Adrian's just there to be there because she's going to be in the movie because she's Rocky's wife. Well, Tessa Thompson is in this movie just to be there and to be a mother to Adonis's kid. She had such an interesting arc to her in the first story. And in this movie, they made half-hearted attempts to give her a storyline of her own. Like, hey, I signed to a record label. Mm. It impacts the story not at all because they move where Adonis wants to move to for training purposes. You see nothing of Bianca from a career perspective except when she plays to open the fight in Russia. Which she could have done even if she wasn't a professional. Yeah. Because you would assume that he would just say, my wife's going to sing and that's what I want to happen. Yeah, you see her a second time when the promoter... Just trying to pick the fight with... Yeah, she sings a few times, but it's not really that... It's not consequential. It's good that they don't forget that was what her life was in the first movie, so you can't just forget about it. We definitely would be criticizing that now if they had. But at the same point, it's almost like, remember, she had something to do in the first movie, and she still does, but it also seems like a bit of a waste of time. Yeah, it cuts both ways, because like you said, it reminds you that she had a much more interesting arc in the first movie that is not really picked up in the second one very effectively. It's a baby factory now. Yeah, Likewise, the whole baby thing, which was, again, one of those callbacks to earlier Rocky movies. Rocky 2, they had a kid. Now Creed 2, they have a kid. And the whole, what are you fighting for? You have to have something to fight for. Mm-hmm. The fact that this guy is the son of the man that killed his father was not enough to <laughs> yeah, inspire, yeah. inspire Adonis. It was also interesting to find Wait, it. no. Isn't it a daughter, Amara? Isn't that a girl? It is, yes. It and is And she I'm also sorry. has deafness. They realized that when she's first born. And I was reading that probably wouldn't happen just because the mother's deaf. If both parents are deaf, I think that could happen to a kid. But when one of them is and has degenerative deafness, it wasn't like Bianca was born deaf herself. So it's right. unlikely it would happen to their baby, but whatever. It's just another plot point in this. And it gives a chance for Rocky to be at the hospital and almost call Robert or Bobby, but not do it. And also to tell him, but you got to be there for your kid and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, there was a cute scene where Adonis is trying to get his new daughter to go to sleep and he's panicking. He's calling his mother. He's like, help. How do you get her to sleep? I didn't really clue into this until too late in the movie, but he's trying to get his daughter to sleep. And so he, I guess, puts her in the car to drive her around, which is fairly common. I think a lot of parents have done that historically. Yeah. But he drives her to the gym? Why? This, well, is, this is a man that up until this point had only been running away from the gym. The trainer, Duke Jr., tried to get him in. And Adonis says, yeah, 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 I left my stuff in the car. I'll be right there. And then it's like one of those scenes from The Simpsons where Homer backs into another room. And then you hear the, <laughs> the squealing of car tires as he takes off. It was the most cowardly and shameful exit from a gym that you've ever seen. But and I think th- I have an answer for that. The Balboa, Drago, and Creed grandkids, or in this case, his kid, you know, yeah. Apollo's grandkid, they're going to go to war. They're going to fight in 25 years in some other future <laughs> incarnation. Oh, so you're saying... you might She not might be, as well get started now. You might not be wrong. Like It'll the, be a woman boxing match. Yes, movie. it might be... Sheed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> you got to leave it in now, because it was so Although painful. Rocky's grandkid is a boy, Logan. Maybe Logan will transition... Well, in 25 years, or whatever it might be, yeah, about 25 makes sense, there might very well be true fights with the sexes. Intersex boxing. In reality, who knows? It might got Ronda Rousey. She probably could hold her own against certain male boxers, well, MMA fighters, anyway. Yeah, she could beat the tar out of me. I know that for well, sure. Anyone who's ever boxed could beat anything out of me. I wouldn't last even a minute. Now, speaking of beating something out of you, one of my favorite Bianca moments in this movie... I don't want to sound like we're slagging on Tessa Thompson because we both agree that she's a great actress. She's very talented. And I really enjoy her in most things she's done, especially in Thor Ragnarok. I really liked oh, her. Yeah. She's great as Valkyrie. But she's just not given a lot to do here. 
I did think it was a great moment. I think it was before Adonis's title fight that he wins when she signs to him, have you taken a crap yet? Essentially asking yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yes, I've done it. Because that's like, a callback to the first movie. Yeah. When he was all ready to go and his He's going to take the off. mitts off. Oh, no. <laughs> One of the many little callbacks in this movie that I thought was interesting. Well, since we're saying things that we liked and didn't like, and that's the thing of this movie, there's so much push-pull in the same scene. It might be something great and something not so great. Yeah. One of the problems is when Rocky does the whole, and it's Stallone is so real in these last two movies. Not that he wasn't always real. The very first Rocky movie, and I would say the second one he was. By the time he gets to three and four, he's a corporate champion, basically, and he's not the dumbass he'd been before. He's not this lovable guy who liked to use words he couldn't use. Now, suddenly, he's corporate. His hair is perfect. Feathered <laughs> and all that in three and four. And these, he has a whole Feathered different... and fantastic, Yes, right. right. But in the Creed movies, he's got so much different character, and he's so quiet. Yes. But then when he says to Donnie, it's got to be without, meaning I'm not going to train you, you know he's going to come back. Of course. But that's because these movies are formulaic, and that's part of why we like them. But there's also a recurring phrase, but this is different. And that's ironic for a Rocky movie, because really, in a way, they're never different. <laughs> no, they're all the same. <laughs> there's always some things that are different in them, especially these last two Creed films. And like I just said, Rocky's character does change, I think, unbelievably in the old ones. He didn't know how to read in, the set, I guess, the first movie either, but especially the second film, and then suddenly he's corporate champion in three and four. And then he's back to being the lovable lunkhead in five, and Balboa in these last two. Oh, incidentally, we haven't talked about Michael B. Jordan. The insane shape he oh, was in this movie. I saw a video that was showing footage of the Marvel movies, so they showed a little bit of him in Black Panther, and I'd forgotten how cut he was for that. I guess he was already cut for Creed, and he stayed that way for that character. But he, he needed to be in great shape for that movie, but it's probably the Creed carryover, and then he had to be in shape again for this one. I remember seeing Creed and thinking, oh, wow, that's Michael B. Jordan. Like, he got big and cut for Creed. We see it with actors so often, so it wasn't that surprising, but he's, but yeah, even better now, I would say. Even more and perfect shape. Huge. And apparently this Florian guy, I don't know how old Michael B. Jordan is, but I think Florian is like 27 or 28 Michael B. Jordan is. He's 32 right now, so he's probably 31 ish when they shot the movie. So he's a Maybe 30. But still young enough that the body metabolizes stuff. Apparently, it was a pain in the ass for him to put on muscle mass. I bet it always is for all of them. Well, this Florian guy dropped 20 pounds to get cut. And they asked him, what did you do to do that? And he basically said, yeah, I just kind of trained as I always train, except I stopped eating pizza for a couple of weeks and I lost 20 pounds. And then as soon as they filmed all the fight scenes where he had to have his shirt off, he goes, I started spending $400 a week at Steak and Shake or Shake Shack or something. <laughs> the guy is a fitness model. And he's just massive as all get out. And he's the kind of guy that, okay, I'm just going to stop eating this one piece of junk food for a couple of weeks and I'll get shredded again. <laughs> I had to find out who this guy was because I had no clue who he I was. I him either, yeah. So I read one article about him. He went on like a local news radio show or something and said, I eat a lot of X pizza all the time when I'm back home and not training. And Domino's called his manager and said, what the <laughs> hell? Why is he endorsing this other chain? We want him to endorse us. And the manager said, well, give him something. And they said, okay, well, here, have free pizza for life. So now he's got a certificate that says Florian Munto, free pizza for life from Domino's, just so that he can go on the radio and say, yeah, I like Domino's. Anyway, yeah, Michael B. Jordan, jacked as all hell. Now, what did you think about the random Mad Max-style boxer camp in the middle of the desert? They went it was to... an unusual touch in this series because, we, of course, we see Rocky go to Russia in Rocky Four. So, yeah, you've got the cold there. You've got the heat here. They've never been in the desert before. When I saw it, it struck me as being so unbelievable. But, you know, it, it's possible, I guess, that such a place in California or Nevada or someplace like that could exist where people just go to train? Seems unlikely, but Rocky, well, he's not rich, I guess, necessarily anymore, but Rocky could have organized it or Little Duke could have organized it through 
Adonis's money. He's a no, pretty they rich didn't, guy. Though. There's a line in it that says this is a place where fighters go oh, okay. to reinvent there themselves. But that always happens in these movies. You have to go back to the basics. Go back to the sweaty gym rather than the corporate gym that Rocky does at the beginning of three, and that's one of the reasons he loses yeah. to Clubber because he's not taking it seriously. But then a politics and back to the real gym. And then they go in the middle of nowhere in Russia. And he's still doing the real gym thing with Tommy in Rocky Five. And Rocky Balboa, they go back to a sweaty gym. And so that's what always happens in these movies. Let's go back to the basics and not do this with high-tech stuff. One thing I thought was missing, though, in the training montage, because we see both of them training, obviously, you don't see Victor with the PEDs going on the arm. What the hell? I need to see that needle going on the arm and the guy not reacting to it. If you're going to do Rocky Four over again, then you can have that. This isn't the Soviet era, Ryan. They have much more sophisticated doping technologies now. They would have been caught. That's true. The one difference that snuck into these training montages that the others didn't, though, I guess Rocky Two, Rocky switches up the hand that he fights with, and that's a little bit of a tactical change. But He's fighting right-handed. Which apparently was something that they had to do because Sylvester Stallone tore pectoral muscles, so he couldn't fight with his left hand. Really? That's his lead hand. That's a major plot point, so I'm a bit surprised that yeah. it's been a, so they worked that a in. workaround. Okay. But Rocky 3, 4, 5, well, I guess there's no real training montage. Like you said, you see him going back to basics and just getting harder and stronger, but there's no real strategy. In this one, at least, Rocky says, all right, if you're going to beat this guy, he's got the reach on you, you're going to have to fight in close, because if you try to run away from him, he'll just pound you. So they actually show him learning a different style of fighting specifically to combat the advantages of Victor Drago, which I thought was a nice touch because it actually showed a little bit of thought being put into it and not just, I'm going to beat you with a heavy medicine ball while you hang from this right. pole until you're so tough that you can't lose. Well, Rocky Three, the strategy is learn to fight like Apollo. I'm going to train you like a black fighter or whatever. Right. What does that mean? How are you going to fight differently? And in fact, in the fight, you don't see him fight any differently. You just see him take... In more, Rocky Three, He just takes more punishment than... Oh, I don't know. You see that combination he practices during the training montage. And when he does, Apollo kisses Polly. And also the fact that he's just faster. He's leaner. He loses something like 10 pounds. So I think that pays off well enough. The one thing that doesn't make sense in Rocky Three is that he doesn't tell his own manager that he's going to rope-a-dope. What the hell are you doing? I know what I'm doing. Why don't you tell your manager you're going to do this? <laughs> he wants him to be in suspense, right? And I guess in Rocky Four, it's just get to be like a piece of iron now, do and you, be able to take everything the guy has. Well, did you think that the pool training with Adonis underneath the water and I guess holding his breath while throwing shadow punches, do you think that was a callback to Rocky Three? Surely. <laughs> Can he swim? What do you think? His name is Rock. <laughs> Blanc. I did rather like the little touch of... Rocky driving in the Mustang while Adonis is running in the 100 degree heat. Mm -hmm. And collapses, but gets back up. Yeah. (laughs) That's how winning is done. I get when you get tired and you get hurt and you get sore and you just don't want to go on when you're training. But when you're running in that type of heat in the desert and you collapse from Mm -hmm. heat stroke... You could die. You could die. Even at that age in that kind of shape. And you think Rocky would be like, oh shoot, I better get this man some water. But instead he's just sitting in the car in his air conditioning like... Come on, <laughs> get up. I was just watching American Pie last night because people are talking about it. I guess the anniversary has been recently. So maybe you want to watch the movie. And I read the trivia for it during it. Jason Biggs, when he's running between houses in the scene where Shannon Elizabeth has taken off her clothes and she's on the webcam, a scene that's aged very badly, although she's great to look at. But anyway, when he's running between houses, I was reading in the trivia that he collapsed from heat exhaustion. And one of the shots, you can see the heat shimmering off the road. Oh, really? Now, this is a guy who's not in a fighting movie where he's already working so hard. He's not in that kind of shape. He had to take a little bit of time off. I don't know if it was days, but they had to work around him when that happened to him and had nothing to do with training. It wasn't a training montage. So exactly, you're right. Why would Adonis be pushed that hard in the middle of the day? If you want him to run on the street and eventually outrun the car, whatever the hell the point of that is, 
Okay, but build to that. Yeah. And you shouldn't mess around with heat exhaustion. They were big 320 or 350-pound guys, but I remember many years ago, the two-a-days they do in the summer in the NFL, I think it was the Minnesota Vikings, Dennis Green was the coach. One of his linemen, I think it was, died from that. Yeah. Now, that guy was probably in a textbook way fat because he was a giant lineman, but he's also a professional athlete. So you would think that people would learn from that. Don't kill Jason Biggs, don't kill a lineman, and don't almost kill Adonis Johnson slash Green. I also thought that when they went to the desert to train that you would have the fight be back in America in Las Vegas. The whole thing with Rocky IV is Sylvester Stallone goes to the Siberian tundra to train because he's going to Russia. Yeah. So he's going to train like a Russian fighter and really get into that element. So train in the desert, then fight in the desert. Or train in Russia. Just really mimic the Rocky IV training montage. You mentioned Jason Biggs being knocked at a commission in American Pie. Apparently, Sylvester Stallone during Rocky IV was knocked at a commission for a few weeks. Yeah, we talked about that, I think, on Rocky IV, the podcast. With that Dolph 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 had beaten him into submission. Hit me for real, Dolph. (laughs) I don't think he was close to death. I don't think it was quite that serious. But it was a serious thing, and he had to take some time off to film. He got in unbelievable shape. We've all seen, if you've seen the Rocky movies, you know what I'm talking about. That Stallone himself, we said Michael B. Jordan and Florian in this movie, are unbelievable, but so was Stallone back then. But when a guy is 200-whatever pounds and he's a lot taller than you and he was already a trained fighter, I think he was an MMA guy even back in the 80s, anyway, hits you for real, that's yeah. not surprising <laughs> that it would hurt you that way. You still are an actor as great a shape as you're in. Yeah, you got to love the hubris of five foot six or whatever Sylvester Stallone, however good shape you're in, to say to a man that's like 6'6 six, six and 260, hit me as hard as you can. Yeah. In the fight, I thought it was another irrational upset in these movies because they almost always are rocky beating drago is the most irrational thing that's ever happened or actually for that matter rocky being able to fight with that ruined eye in any of the future movies after the first one yeah he retires because he can't see out of that eye that whole great scene i've talked about before in the other rocky podcast one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever certainly in the rocky series when he goes to mickey and says Cut I want... me? no no in the second movie when he goes oh. to him in his apartment and he wants to fight again now you see nothing he would have caved the whole side of your face in He'd already retired, but now this really is the end of his career. They fight later. He should have lost to Creed so badly because if an old man, which is the point of that scene, can slap you in the face and you don't even see it coming, the eye doesn't magically fix itself. Yes, you can get a better shape. Yes, you can learn to fight better. Yes, you can be smarter, but you can't fix it. Hey, I know better than most people. I've got a bad eye, a bad left eye, but he never should have been able to fight after that in the first place. So every one of these movies has irrationality. The one thing I'll give them credit for on this one, I think they even say it in the commentating, because Big Nasty, Victor, should be able to beat the living tar of him early on since he did it before. And now he's in even better shape. Yeah, so is Adonis. But still, Victor is the better fighter. But he's not used to fighting many rounds. So he's exhausted and he's inexperienced compared to what Adonis has been doing. So maybe right. that actually makes some sense. Which is also, I guess, true about Rocky versus Ivan Drago in the first one. He's more experienced and he's been through 15 rounds over and over again. And Ivan Drago never had been. He was still an amateur for that matter. They did play that up in the last fight, the whole exhaustion. He didn't beat his opponent in the first two rounds. In fact, you want to talk about million-dollar baby parallels. It's the same thing with Maggie in that movie, right? She wins all of her fights so quickly that she has to learn how to fight deeper into the rounds. Right. Now, do you think in Rocky II that Mickey just slapped Rocky so hard that it reconnected the nerve endings in the back <laughs> of his eye? I can see you again, Mick. Oh. <laughs> it was a deleted scene. <laughs> if that was a comedy, maybe you go down that route. That is never referenced in later movies. Mm-hmm. Much like the concussion of Rocky V, that is half-heartedly explained away as, oh yeah, it was one doctor with a misdiagnosis or something like that. He passed with flying colors. Yeah. <laughs> it had been a long time, but I don't think that he would have been okay, even what it's supposed to be maybe 10 years later in Rocky Balboa, so he can fight the guy in that film. Yeah. Mason the Line Dixon. I love that name, though. It's lane writing, I always thought. But yes, he shouldn't <laughs> have been able to fight that. Well, God, we could analyze just his 
inability to do any of the things he does in these movies, but then he is Superman. Is. It'd be like killing Superman. Well, I guess he must be, because he should never have been able to fight after the first one. Taking Apollo to the limit, very believable. It had happened with Muhammad Ali and some guy named Chuck Wepner in the mid-'70s, which is what Stallone based the first Rocky on in the first place. Yep. But everything from then, really, if you think about it, is fantasy. All right, so I mentioned Stephen Capel Jr. is the director. The writers, Sly had a credit on this, along with, I guess it's Jewel or Jewel. I don't know, I've never heard this person before. Taylor. And then story credit for Sasha Penn and Chio Hadari Coker. I don't know any of these names other than Sly himself. No. But Sly has always had a writing hand. Maybe not Creed, actually, the first one. But every one of these Rocky movies, and has directed most of them. Even now, with two new ones he hasn't directed, he's still directed most of them. And I don't know about you, but my speakers and subwoofer got a workout with this movie. I watched it when Ben really? wasn't home. I'm glad, because if I'd watched it when she was in bed, I would have woke her up, I think. The soundtrack? Well, because of the hip-hop. Yeah. The music, mostly. Not yeah. so much from the fighting, but from the hip-hop sound. Whenever they had a montage or just music playing, it was <laughs> loud, I thought. It was. I really enjoyed the soundtrack and I wished so hard you had a sampling or a remix of some of those older mm -hmm. Rocky Four songs thrown in there. I thought that would have been a fantastic call. Maybe back. people don't think those songs are as good as we think they are, but then they should have when they put them in the movie in the first place. Stallone should have been saying coming out of Rocky Four, and maybe he was, all these songs are great. All these songs are going to Oscars. Yeah. We said in Rocky Four, the podcast we did last December, that at least Hearts on Fire should have been nominated for an Oscar. I prefer it Hearts to Eye of the Tiger. Fire. I still prefer Burning Hearts to Hearts on Fire and Eye of the Tiger, for that matter. Hell, those songs are like 30 years old now, so people aren't quite as into them as we are. But just take clips of it, sample it into mm. the new hip-hop track. Uh, Michael B. Jordan might get another sports movie at least one more before this podcast ends, if it ever does end. Because I want to do Hardball one day. I'm a big fan of that movie. That's not one that people like very much. Maybe Keanu Reeves, because everyone loves him again, and he has been great this year in so many things. Maybe people will go back and revisit that and think, you know what, not his best performance, but a pretty damn good sports movie. And he is Jamal in that. I don't think I've ever even heard of Hardball. You haven't? we got to see that then. There's some touching stuff in that. 2001. Oh, wow. So maybe we'll wait a couple of years if we're still doing the podcast and have it be a 20-year anniversary. So 2001? Hmm? And Michael B. Jordan is in it? He was a kid. Oh, okay. There's yeah, a kid's... Oh, you don't know what the movie's about. It's no. a kid's baseball team and Keanu Reeves becomes their coach. I was trying to do the mental math because we just looked up how old Michael B. Jordan is. He's 32 now. He would have been 13 or 14 at the mm -hmm. time. Okay. Which makes sense, yeah. All right. And then Felicia Rashad comes back as Marianne. And like I said in Creed, I believe, with Bev, I wondered why we didn't see Sylvia Meals reprise her role. But maybe they wanted a better actress. But the bigger reason, actually, would be because she died before they ever did Creed. Well, oh, now Creed too. So they had to recast. Sense. And they get a bigger star and probably a better actress. Sylvia Meals didn't have a lot of screen time in, I think, the first Rocky, and then she's definitely in Rocky Four, but not that much of it. But I... Felicia Rashad's pretty good casting. Bill Cosby's old buddy from the show. <laughs> Let's not mention him. <laughs> but that's where people are going to know her mostly from. Of course. Because she hasn't really done that much famous stuff other than what she's done with Cosby and now these two Creed films. She was good in this. She had a few cute scenes when Michael B. Jordan's Adonis is so terrified to tell her that he's going to fight Victor and... When he does, she's like, yeah, what do you want from me? I couldn't convince your father not to. I'm not going to be able to convince mm -hmm. you kind of thing. I thought she was pretty effective in what little she had to work with. Mm -hmm. Much like, I guess, Tessa Thompson, for that matter, who also didn't have a lot to do, but did it pretty well when she did. It's like Michael B. Jordan, who's actually good in this movie, not as good as he was in the first, where he was probably right on the cusp of getting an Oscar nomination. Didn't, but maybe could have. This movie, I don't think anyone suggested that for a minute. For every character in this movie, there's a lot less emotional meat on the bone yeah. in terms of the And I said that Stallone should have won the Oscar. He was nominated first time in almost 40 years for playing the older version, the cancer-ridden guy in Creed. I thought that was the best work he's ever done in any movie, including the very first Rocky where he is fantastic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Better I... than Tango and Cash? Mm, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> Stop or my mom will shoot. Yeah. I know. There's... That's the thing with him. He's done so much dreck, but then he does things like this. Even some of the dreck, there's moments in it. I remember a film critic pointed out in the movie Get Carter, which wasn't very good. No one saw it. No one liked it. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't lump me into that. Most people didn't like it. All right, there we go. But there's a moment where he gets emotional about some girl talking about something happening or something bad happening. I forget the exact point. And he gets a little misty-eyed. So I watched that moment on YouTube when I read that by the critic and thought, they're right. He has always had talent, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't show it very often. It's too bad. I don't know what he's going to do after these movies because he's been around, but since the first Creed, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And I don't know what else he's done that anyone really know about. And of course, he's been in the Wasteland since the early 2000s after he did Driven. And he really didn't do that much that anyone really cared about or saw. A lot of straight-to-video stuff. He did the Escape Plan movies with Ani and... I Which, guess... back in the 80s, would have been summer releases, July 4th releases, probably. But instead, they get buried. So, how was your beer there? Once again, Last Duel. It was as emotionally lackluster as this was relative really? to the first Creed, I think. Okay. Yeah. My water was what you want from water. <laughs> it was wet? It was wet, and it is hydrating me as it needs to be. We have a ball game in a couple of hours, and it isn't as humid as it's been lately, so I may not need to hydrate as much. We'll see if I can avoid breaking a couple ribs or something like that on the ball field. Don't dive. I managed to pull my hamstring gardening a few days ago. So oh, really? God help me if you make me run behind the Kia in the same way that Rocky makes, <laughs> makes Adonis run behind the Mustang. You all could the way probably there. outrun the Kia, even you. <laughs> <laughs> Go faster, right? I can't. I'm pushing the gas it's pedal. It's not reacting at all. <laughs> oh, well, but scoring at this movie. Can you score? So babies, blood, body shots. Yes. It's not really a scorey kind of movie, but the young fighters are in incredible shape with yep. specimens. So if that's your thing, if you're into dudes, then okay. <laughs> you also have the aphrodisiac of fidelity, Ryan, when Adonis proposes to Bianca and they have a little sexy moment between themselves too. So you don't just have these sweaty beefcakes in the ring. You also have a little bit of emotional heartstrings and connection being tugged. The entire Rocky series, all eight of them now, have been pretty sexless. Not that we need to see intercourse (laughs) per se. I want to see full penetration in this movie. (laughs) But Rocky and Adrian had a great marriage, but it was like doddering old couple even before they got married, it seemed. More like buddies that happened to say, we're in love yeah, well, you are, but you're not really in lust. And that isn't quite as true about Adonis and Bianca. They're much more like air quotes, young and sexy than mm-hmm. Rocky and Adrian were. But none of these movies have had swearing. You know, boxers would. A guy like Rocky, especially in the early going, would have been somebody that said the F word every fourth word, probably. Oh, of course. And there's no drugs in these movies. And there's no corruption until maybe the fifth one. They're not really true to life. They never were. But, of course not. Okay. No. Talia Shire, who is in the early Rocky movies anyway, played almost like an old woman in the way that they dress her, in the way that she behaves. They're not a young, hot couple, right? In the same way Bianca and Adonis are. And she was apparently specifically cast for that purpose. The whole reason that Susan Sarandon was not cast as Adrian was because she was deemed to be too attractive for what they Mm -hmm. wanted out of that role. So it was always the desire to make it a chaste relationship, which is a weird thing for a young fit man to settle <laughs> well not to settle it's just i don't know man you got a lot of testosterone pumping through your body when you're a professional fighter in his 20s i can't imagine that inner city guy like you said who's not terribly well educated is just going to be content to be like yeah, yeah i don't need any kind of physical relationship i'm just gonna find my emotional soulmate and settle down one thing about the entire series as well and that's been true about the last two creeds it was more true the old rocky movies i guess but all of them rocky especially but even adonis feel lonely. They don't have a lot of friends that we see on screen, and you could argue they're just right. cut other movies because they're trying to trim them down. Some of the Rocky movies were barely 90 minutes, so they really don't have much fat at all. But yeah, these guys seem like it's the only people in the world sometimes. In the very first movie, when he's training, maybe because of the low-budget production, they didn't have money for extras. That's why the skating scene is the way it was, was just the two right. of them on the rink. But still, in all the movies when they've had budgets, it almost seems like there's the only people in the world, these 10 or 20 that we give any kind of crap about, and the four or five that we actually truly care about in any of the films. 
that almost takes us full circle to what I was saying earlier in this recording and that Rocky does feel like and always has felt like a very lonely character. And that's why it could have been a very satisfying moment to wrap the movie up just by having him... And I know this isn't the way it's necessarily portrayed, at least not explicitly in the cut that we saw in this movie, but to have him move to Vancouver to be with basically the only two people in the world that care about him... Except, no, Donnie well, cares about him a lot. I was going to say... He might as well be family. Except for Adonis and okay. Bianca. But they're living in L.A. now. They're on the West Coast. So Rocky's last surviving true family and friends, for all we know, leaving aside Bianca and Adonis, are... Bobby and Logan. So, again, just comes back to the unnecessary hyperbole of the breakdown of their relationship. So, yeah. anyway, all's well that ends well. So, I guess you agree with me that this movie is a major push-pull that I can't dislike it, but I can't say I truly like it either. And I'm more loyal to the franchise and the greatness of the first Creed, which had its problems in yeah. some ways too, but I was so emotionally overwhelmed by so much of that that this movie feels okay, but disappointing follow-up. Kind of like The Natural. We had way more issues with that movie, but I thought I was going to like it more. And this one, I wasn't really expecting it to be unbelievable. But I thought it'd be a little bit more, I don't want to cry in front of you. I was nowhere near crying in this one. Yeah, and I think part of the problem was, if I didn't know the broader context of its story arc, I would have had less anticipation going into it. Like you, I have a lot of loyalty to the original Rocky, more so the first four movies, but even six that feature Rocky. Mm -hmm. But Creed was a great movie in a number of respects. I thought it was a well-written movie, a well-choreographed movie. Like you said, about the performances were great. There was a lot for this movie to live up to. So I would have been very accepting of a sequel that didn't quite live up to the expectations of the first, because that's a hard bar to clear a second time around. Yeah. But as much as I love Rocky IV and all its corniness, that's what this movie basically entailed. I had such high hopes. I wanted so badly okay, for it yeah. to capture a little bit of that Rocky IV magic, in addition to living up to as much of the first Creed as possible. I couldn't help but feel a little bit disappointed. Because in some ways it did, and in some ways it didn't. Right. I do wish Ryan Coogler had directed this because Stephen Capel Jr. might be a great one one day, but Ryan Coogler is getting to that point now. And this probably would have been his movie if they had waited for him to direct it, but he was too busy with Black Panther. So fine, understandable. He made a gigantic hit, and now he's part of the Marvel family. He made the right choice, but maybe yeah. the producers in the studio should have waited a little bit longer to make that choice too. Because I'm not blaming Capel, but the fact that the movie didn't hit me the same way, it might have if Coogler directed it. Yeah. All right, so in two weeks, we'll cover what we were going to do in this slot before Creed 2 became available at the local library. The horse racing extravaganza that this man has never seen, and I haven't seen in a long time, Seabiscuit. Now, I assume that Seabiscuit has at least as many training montages in it as Rocky IV. Gonna run now. <laughs> Which is what Rocky does, too, but you know. If Toby Maguire doesn't at some point run to the top of a mountain and if scream... If I can change, and you can change... <laughs> Everybody can change. And all the horses start standing up and clapping their front hooves together. And... Yes. I just realized that my Tobey Maguire little boy voice sounds a lot like Fox. Long live Fox. <laughs> I have a nice to refer to him oh. all the time. Okay, so we're on Apple Podcasts as always. We're on Stitcher and Spotify. All the episodes are available for free. Everything we've ever done. Chris and I, Bev and I, 330 plus episodes now in total. And of course, topandunderproject.com. Everything's there as well. Take your easy, dudes. I know that you will, eh? Yo. And they combine Sam Elliott and Rocky in one thing. Drago? Drago! Drago! <laughs> Take her easy, dudes! I know that you will!